Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the Two Peas on a Pod podcast on a lovely Tuesday morning. Hope you're all doing well today. Welcome back. This is Austin Griffiths coming at you again with another interview. We got a special guest with us today, a repeat guest. But first, I want to tell you our email. If you don't know it, it's 2Ps21 at yahoo.com, T-W-O-P-E-A-S-21 at yahoo.com. Send us your feedback, and uh, hopefully you've been listening to us. If this is your first time listening, we've got a good number of episodes on all your major podcast platforms. You can go and listen to us. Me and brother Zach Cordell are the host of this podcast. He's on with us usually about at least half a month. Sometimes less, but hopefully at least half a month at most of the time. And we do a lot of interviews, try to, because frankly, I just don't like doing this by myself. It's kind of awkward just sitting here talking by yourself in a room. So I like to incorporate friends and pastors and different people on here to talk about different subjects. And then when me and Zach get together or get some time, then we do it. But otherwise, if we didn't do this, we just wouldn't be able to do the podcast. So... That's what we got, and so that's who we are. So if you're listening, we try to give you some lighthearted comedy every once in a while. We're not super funny people, but we try, and uh, our wives tell us we're not funny, so that kind of discourages us from trying to be funny, but we still try every once in a while and uh, do some sermon-like material, some topics, and we do some interviews of personal testimonies every once in a while. And uh, But today we've got a special guest with us. I asked him about some topics that he may have on his heart that he'd like to share to a to an audience. And, uh, and so we've had him on here a couple times, and he's coming back with us today. Everybody welcome Pastor Todd Hatcher. Hello, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you, Brother Austin, for another wonderful opportunity to be on this pod podcast. Whoa. They're noisy. I like that. When's the last time you had an introduction like that? Never. But it's so good to have you on the podcast again. In the great words of a president of ours, it is tremendous to have you on the podcast. Oh, thank you. It is an <laughs> honor indeed. Good to hear that voice again. Oh, yes. Please, let's hear it again. Tremendous. Oh, yes. One more time. And it only please. makes common sense. Until <laughs> of that right there. Yes. Anyways. Um, we'd love to have you on the podcast again. And today's topic, we're going to talk about painting your fingernails. <laughs> <laughs> that goes for clear too. <laughs> Just kidding. We're going to talk <laughs> tremendous. We're going to talk about, and it only makes common sense. Clear is still a color. That's what I say. <laughs> we better get off this hobby horse before we ain't got no oh. horse to ride. Oh, boy. We're going to get in trouble. We're going to get in trouble. Holiness. <laughs> Holiness. You know what? We don't care what the world says. You know what the world is? Fake news. Fake news. I need to get this Trump soundboard off my phone. <laughs> uh, he brings it, out the best in us, don't he? I know. You just get excited when you just hear that voice, right? Who, you know what? We don't care what the world says, do we? Who cares what they say? Who cares? Amen. The Bible's right. It is tremendous. And it's that's right. That's right. Amen. <laughs> uh, that's gonna be my new backup preacher voice. That's right. While, while you're talking, sounds good. That's right. <laughs> Anyways, what are we talking about today? 
Oh, you we've said something about sacrifice. We've already lost half our audience. We How went many down, is that? We went from ten to five. Not bad. Um. Anyways, if that topic don't work, let's talk about mullets. <laughs> Speaking of mullets, on the men or the women? <laughs> no, that's bad. <laughs> Speaking of mullets, we was at. I took my wife on a date the other night. Are we going to talk about sacrifice at all? I don't know. I think we're about to be one if we don't <laughs> stop. We was. I took my wife to a fancy restaurant the other day, and it was. I guess it was prom night. And you wouldn't believe how many people walked out of there. And I think my wife and me looked. I think every man that walked out of there with their date had a mullet. Wow. Hair chopped off on the front, super long on the back. I know what it is. I just don't know why it is. I don't either. That's crazy. I don't either. Are we talking about holiness or are we going to talk about something else? Um, I don't really know what we're talking about <laughs> at this point. Well, we actually came on the podcast today to talk about sacrifice. Mm-hmm. All right, now we're switching gears. The topic today is sacrifice. So I want to start off by saying in Jeremiah 32 and 25, we read where the Bible says that they built high places of Baal and they caused their sons and daughters to pass through the fire into Molech. Now you can read that in many different places. But when you study that right there, Molech was a giant statue of a man with a bull's head. And his arms were outstretched like a ramp going down and his palms were sticking out. Um, flat and they would stick a baby on those hands and the baby would roll down the forearms of Molech which would be hot burning hot and there was a hole in the abdomen in the stomach area of Molech and those babies would roll down those fiery arms into the into the stomach area of Molech where there was a big hole with a huge fire and that false god um, was supposedly giving them a promise of prosperity and health to their to their family and, uh, you know, they sacrificed their children through the fire of Molech. And, you know, in America today, we don't have pagan gods, per se, majority, like Molech and Dagon or Baal. We don't physically offer our children to the fire to them. The, the gods of the Old Testament, they required child sacrifice. That's like the highest uh, form. Of, I, I couldn't imagine that. Um, I remember reading about a missionary that was over in, uh, I think it was in India or somewhere like that. And I remember reading that story where he said he was walking by uh, the river. It was crocodile infested. And there was a woman that was heading towards the river. And he watched her and he watched her and he watched her. And uh, as he, she got closer, she had one boy in her arms and one boy by the hand. And she grabbed the one boy by the hand and got really close to the river. And he started getting worried, but he was too far away to do anything. And those crocodiles were coming up, getting ready. Looked like it was feeding time, and uh, no doubt. And they knew, no doubt, it wasn't the first time they'd seen that. And she grabbed that boy and threw him in the crocodiles. And that missionary said he was screaming, you know, why in the world did you do that? Why in the world would you do something like that? And on and on. And I'm skipping some details. I'm trying to be quick. And she said this, and I'll never forget that statement when I read it. She said, we give our gods the best. The story said she smiled and squared her shoulders back and said, we give our gods the best. And when I read that, Brother Todd, instantly I felt the Lord smoke my heart and say, are you giving me your best? You know, the, those gods of the world, those idol gods that people still serve right now in the world today, in, in other parts of the world and countries, they serve idol gods. They serve just just paganism. We don't have that really today in America. 
Our young people are not experiencing that. But yet we have children that are being pushed into sports. They're being pushed into worldly activities. They're being pushed into addictions. We got drunk daddies that are giving their kids beers before they can even talk, before they can even walk. And they're, you know, there was a kid my, my wife knew that was smoking cigarettes and he was basically riding in car seats still. He'd say, I don't smoke. I don't smoke. I don't smoke. You know, people are getting pushed into addictions and music, and they're being involved in the gods of this world. You can read about Ahaz and Manasseh. They gave up their children to Molech for nothing but a complete trick of the devil himself. But you know what? In today's world, it's a different God. We're living in a different world. We we ain't got to deal with Molech. I've never dealt with with really gods like that per se, as far as a statue is concerned. But you know what we do deal with? We deal with the sports God and the music God and the Hollywood God. We deal with the fashion God. We deal with the money God. We deal with all these false gods in the world today. Yes, it's a different God, but it's the same sacrifice. People are still sacrificing their families and their children. And, uh, you know, our God don't require the sacrifice of my children. He don't require the murdering of my family members, but God still requires a sacrifice. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Absolutely. He does. And the point of dealing with the subject uh, this large, again, we'll just give it a highlighter. We like here. doing broad subjects, don't we? Uh, Identity crisis, vision. Yeah. Here sacrifice. we are with another one. And so it's, it's hard to, uh, can, confine something this large as one entity into a 30 45 minute span that's somewhat of a challenge but if we just take a panorama get a bird's eye view and a summary of this you consider what a highlighter is and what it does its purpose is to take a part from the whole and make the part sharper make the part more recognizable so that we can get an idea of what the whole is and so the the highlighter magnifies the content right without without the content the highlighter is no different than any other yellow marker you give a child a highlighter yellow highlighter with a blank piece of printer paper and it's nothing it has no purpose it's just color on a page but you take that same marker and put it in the hands of a preacher and he takes it to the word of god and it has purpose then and that's the principle we're trying to bring up here today is that sacrifice is something that God does require from us. It's inseparable from the word offering. These words are interchangeable in Scripture. You know, and you could, there's so many things. You just think about the Old Testament laws, and you got 613 laws. But in terms of the highlighter, for example, you, you've got 10 commandments and 10 overarching commandments from God. And the essence of that is if you follow the 10, then you can, you know, you'll be able to follow the rest of them. You'll be able to put them in their perspective. That's what Paul did when he went to Athens and they were serving all their idol gods and they had an altar set up to the unknown God. What did Paul do? He took a highlighter and he began to tell them that God requires all men to repent. That at one time he winked at this ignorant. But now he commands every man to repent. He began to share with them the resurrection. So he highlighted to them the truth. And so that's what Jesus did when talking to the scribe. You know, he said, what is the greatest commandment? 
Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Highlighting the main principle helps us understand uh, what is trying to be portrayed to us. The thing about offering is and sacrifices that those two are inseparable. The Word of God tells us in Romans 12 and 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. When you look at that word present here, it is the same principle as that word offer. It is to give something. When we think of offering, we automatically know we're giving something. And whenever you give something, the emphasis is no longer on you because you're giving something away. And when, you're, when you've given something, it's no longer yours. And that's where I want to jump right in here is because that really is where the rub is because we like to hold on to things even after, the, after we've, quote, given them. But if you're still trying to hold on to something and dictate what's done with it, have you really given it? Of course, the most obvious example with that is money, and that alone will make people cringe. Uh, but our text is equally offensive to our human natures. Your body, present your body a living sacrifice. It goes without saying today that, that that offends people because there's a whole movement today that is screaming, my body, my choice. The flaw with that rationale, though, is that that baby in their womb has a body just like they do, and yet somehow they don't get to make the same claim. But Paul makes it clear in 1 Corinthians six nineteen, it's a twin principle to Romans 12 and 1, that your body is God's temple. And in fact, you are not your own. Therefore, glorify God in your body, in your spirit, which is God's. And that's exactly why it's a reasonable service to present your body to God is because it's his anyways. And so when it comes down to it with sacrifice, God will never ask anything of you that is unreasonable, especially in comparison with what he's given us. I mean, he gave us his only son, died for our sins. He has kept us from what we do deserve. We call that mercy. He's given us what we don't deserve. That's grace. So that's the very definition of unreasonable, keeping me from what I do deserve and giving me what I don't. And with that in mind, he could never ask too much of me. He'll never ask of me anything that's unreasonable. I'm not saying that it's always easy to make the sacrifice, that living sacrifice unto God, but it's always reasonable. And so again, we must establish that sacrifice is fundamentally not about you. And that is absolutely contrary to the message of our society today that says, you do you, it's your money, it's your life, it's your body, you, you do whatever you want to do. And this is why people blanch at the idea of old-time religion in the first place, because it requires sacrifice, and sacrifice is intrinsically selfless. You're giving something away, where on the contrary, human nature is innately selfish. Right. And so there's this constant strain between the two. And if we're ever going to truly get where we need to be with God, 
It requires sacrifice, which goes against the flesh. Right. Which means maybe we should do a whole episode on that. We need to crucify our flesh and die daily. Right. Because if we don't, we're not truly going to... You'll never get It's not a sacrifice unless something does die. And it don't hurt. Right. If it don't hurt, it ain't a sacrifice. And so, you know, for example, um, you talked about money. If all you got is $100 in the bank, and that's it, and God says, give 50 that is a sacrifice. Right. If you got a million dollars in the bank and God says give fifty, then you don't even miss it. And so it's not about the amount and it's not about the quantity. It's the intent. It's the quality and the right. intent of your sacrifice. Well, we're living in a society today that says if it doesn't benefit me, then I'm not getting involved. Right. And that's why a lot of churches today even are nothing more than social gatherings because they're there to receive 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 but that's not the spirit of christ at all over in mark chapter 10 verse 45 jesus said for even the son of man came not to be ministered unto but to minister and to give 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 his life right a ransom for many and so that's the that's the principle of sacrifice is that we're giving something. And if we have not the Spirit of Christ, we are none of His. Now, Jesus knew that what was in man, and obviously He knew His selfish nature. That's why He had to die in the first place. But that's also why His command was, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. That's the first thing you got to do is deny yourself, take up His cross, and follow me. You know, and Brother Todd, I've... I have prayed that many times through the years, and I've prayed that, kill Austin. Lord, would you please kill him out? I can't do it. I can't do this in my own. I can't evangelize in my own. I can't raise my family right in my own. Just recently, I've been praying extra hard. God, help me to be a better husband. Help me to be a better father. I've got five kids coming up behind me. I'm evangelizing across the country. God, I can't do this on my own. I realize my insufficiencies. Please, God. Please help me. I need to have a funeral for my flesh. And I'm not claiming to be perfect at all. Believe me, I know I have issues. But I tell you, one man said we ought not to trust our nature or our flesh, no matter how spiritual we -hmm. think we are, because we are flesh. But the Lord, it says, but now, O Lord, thou art our Father, Isaiah 64 and 8, for we are the clay and thou art the potter. We are the work of thy hand. We are nothing. He is everything, and we need to acknowledge that. Right. The way I see it is if the Apostle Paul said, I die daily, yeah, then I think you and I can fit in that category as well. And honestly, that's probably the single most difficult thing for anybody to do is to deny themselves. Deny themselves. Right, because that is totally against, goes upstream and against the grain of human nature. G.K. Chesterton said one time that the Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. I think that's profound. And listen, I'll never say that it's always easy to serve God and sacrifice. Alan Redpath said, Oh, how fondly we cherish the life that God wants us to crucify. And when in our text here, uh, Romans 12 and 1 Present your bodies a living sacrifice. One writer said the problem with the living sacrifice is that it keeps wanting to crawl off the altar. Yeah. Right? Because there's something about that knife 
and bleeding that isn't too attractive to our flesh. We don't like the idea of that. And that's really the main point of sacrifice outside of it being an offering and giving something away is what you're giving is costly. It's not something, you know, like you were speaking financially. It's one thing for Elon Musk to give $50. It's another thing for me and you to give $50. It's not costly to him, you know, and not to call him out so much. But listen, it's like... Uh, Just because he's got like $50 trillion. Yeah. We must, We've got to be reminded that sacrifice was only instituted after the fall. Sacrifice is a result of sin. And so I think it's interesting to note with that in the Garden of Eden... When they were suspended, you know, and expelled from the garden, you know, God is actually the first one that made a sacrifice because the Bible says in Genesis 3.21 that the Lord made Adam and Eve coats of skins. Well, there's only one way to do that. And so it was God that made the first sacrifice. So he never asked anything of you that he didn't do himself already. I mean, it goes without saying the sinless, spotless, blameless son of God. That was the ultimate sacrifice, and God gave his only son. So it's costly. God always meant for it to be so. The first sacrifice from man comes in the next chapter in Genesis 4 when Cain and Abel brought their respective offerings to the Lord. Of course, Cain represents the flesh, and Abel represents the spirit. But God had already made it clear that uh, what kind of sacrifice that he expected he required blood. He required something that was costly, something, frankly, that was deadly. We need to die out to the flesh, as you've already mentioned. It's not sacrifice if there's no blood. It's not sacrifice if there's no death. I love the account in 2 Samuel 24 where God speaks to David and tells him to rear up an altar and make sacrifice. And he goes to purchase this threshing floor from Ariana. And he begins to explain the situation to him and what God had told him to do. And he being the king, this man was obliged to let him have all of it. He told him, he said, take the, on, uh, the oxen, take the flesh, uh, threshing instruments, take the wood. It's all here. Just, just take it. And the Lord be pleased with you, he said. But David responded, and I love this. He said, I will not offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which doth cost me nothing. God never meant for sacrifice to be convenient. It was always meant to be costly. And it's costly because sin is costly. And that's why so many people don't get any further with God than they do, is because they spend too much time counting the cost and they're never willing to pay the price. And so... Uh, one man said, we need to spend less time on our throne and more time at his cross. That's exactly what sacrifice requires of us. It's costly. And that's a great segue into highlighting the final thought about sacrifice that I had on my mind. And that's not only is, is sacrifice selfless and giving, and not only is it costly, but it, it's not just a religious tradition. And the reason why I bring that up is because the modern day church makes a living trying to convince us that God is in it to serve us. You know, we're not under the law. We're under grace. Come as you are, leave as you are, and stay as you are. And, and I know it's true that it is not 
works. It's not by works or tradition or religion that saves us. David said the sacrifices of God are a broken heart, and he delights not in burnt offering. You can read in Isaiah chapter 1 for several verses that God is rebuking Israel for depending on their sacrifices alone to please him. He does the same in Jeremiah chapter 7 and Isaiah chapter 5 and Micah chapter 6. And the prophet says, and, and Micah chapter 6, he would say, Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or with 10,000 rivers of oil? And obviously the principle there is no. You know, God is not pleased with an empty sacrifice. All of the ritual and all the tradition, yeah, Cain, the, the way of Cain, the fleshly way, yeah, he brought something, but it's not what God wanted. And God knows the intents of the heart. And so Jesus himself would go on to rebuke the Pharisees over and over again for their rituals. And he would say, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. And what he's saying there is I want and I desire mercy and not sacrifice. I'm not in it just for you to appease me. I'm in it to have a relationship with you. And that's really what God always instituted it to be, meant for it to be. Sacrifice has always meant to be an expression of worship to God. And ultimately, Jesus knew that these sacrifices were a type and a shadow of his ultimate sacrifice that was to come. And so he didn't come to destroy the law of these sacrifices, but to fulfill it. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse, well, just several verses here real quick, if I might. It says, for the law, having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered, because that the worshippers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sin. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, Jesus, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared me, and burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me to do thy will, O God. Well, I know what the volume was. It was written ever before the foundation of the world. There would be a lamb slain, a sacrifice made. And in verse 10, it says, By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. I submit that Abraham was right when he said, My son, the Lord, shall provide himself a lamb. And that didn't just have prophetic undertones for God providing uh, a sacrifice in the stead of his son Isaac, but it's a double prophetic reference that the Lord himself became the lamb as of a lamb without blemish or without spot. And friend, that's how we were redeemed. It was impossible for gold and silver to do it. 
You can't pay your way into the mercies of God. You can't buy your way into the grace of God. It was impossible. The scripture just said for bulls and goats to do it, but it was not impossible for the lamb. Right. Because the lamb of God came to take away the sin of the world. Don't let anybody tell you that God doesn't expect sacrifice. Even though we're in the New Testament, we're under grace. Paul S. Reese said in his book, great book, The Radiant Cross, he said the only way to be identified with Christ, crucified, is to be crucified with Christ, as Galatians 3 and 20 says. And I'll close with this thought. Romans 12 and 1 was our main text, very familiar, that it's a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. But there's something I saw there at the beginning And I think we miss this, and we go right to the sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. But look at the plea. I beseech you, therefore, I implore you, I impress a request upon you, therefore. Well, where's that at? We're at the beginning of the chapter. But back in chapter 11, verse 36, the last verse of uh, the prior chapter, it says, For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. And that's when he says, I beseech you therefore for this reason, because of him and through him and to him are all things, for this reason present, offer, give your body a living sacrifice, and that is your reasonable service. It does cost you something. Yeah, it's the least it's, you could do. Right. It, it, it does cost you something, and it's not always easy. But yeah. as I stated earlier, it's always reasonable. And yeah. so we are to give God the sacrifice of praise. God instituted sacrifice not for tradition, but for truth and relationship and worship as an expression of praise. Give Him your praise. Give Him your body. Give him your spirit. It's all his anyways. It doesn't get any more reasonable than that. It doesn't get any more reasonable than presenting a living sacrifice when it's in him that we live. It doesn't get any more reasonable than giving him our everything that it's, uh, you know, that it's in him that we have our very being. And so don't let don't let this this world, this world mindset, this world's mindset tell you that. You don't owe anybody anything. I'll tell you something right now. I owe God everything. Everything. Because he gave us everything when he gave us his only son. I want to be a worthy and acceptable sacrifice in his sight. Yes. So not bulls and goats anymore, but God still requires a sacrifice. Right. So to sum this up, sacrifice, that means sacrifice in our life. Right. It's so easy to get so tied up in our time. With what we're doing in life, everything that's going on, it's so easy to get so tied up in, you know, mowing grass or working late or you name it. And sometimes it's a sacrifice to come to midweek service. Sometimes it's a sacrifice to come to revival every night. And I can tell you, you can say from a pastor's perspective, you want your people to come every night of revival. And you know it's a sacrifice. Sacrifice in your life, putting God number one. Sacrifice in your appearance, wanting to be a acceptable sacrifice. Again, you talked about Cain and Abel. That fruit was not acceptable because it wasn't a sacrifice. 
No doubt he had been told by Adam. Adam was the first one to realize it took the blood. Right. God showed them it took the blood. It was their fault it took the blood. And so Adam, no doubt, as a father, taught his children, boys, it takes the blood. So when he decided to put up the fruit, like you already mentioned earlier, it was not accepted. He had to have known. He Absolutely. was old enough to sacrifice fruit. He was old enough to know it took the blood. And so it wasn't acceptable. You know what God requires. You know God is not just going to accept anything coming and going. He wants a sacrifice. we got to be pleasing to God. And so that means when you do get saved, it is a sacrifice to lay down the world. And if you, really, if you truly get saved and love God, you're going to want to. Exactly. You know, it's, it's not, reasonable. It's not, it's not going to be like pulling teeth to get you to stop looking like the world. It's not going to be like killing yourself to try to not doing this and not doing that. You're you're not gonna you're not gonna want to go to the ball game. You're not gonna want to go to the bar. He's gonna take that love out of the world out of you. But you look when, when God requires it, and even as you get closer to God, and I've often said this preaching, the closer you get to God, He's gonna put personal convictions on your life, mm-hmm. and He's gonna put His finger on some things. And you may say, "Well, preacher, it seems so small." Well, I've often said it on here. I've I think I've said it on here a time or two, but I was praying for the Holy Ghost, and God moved on me, and you may say I'm crazy or not believe it, but God moved on me to quit drinking Mountain Dew. You talk about a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. I love Mountain Dew. I love it. Love it, love it, love it. I could drink it every day, and I do practically every day. And God moved on me and said, if you really want the Holy Ghost, why don't you give up that Mountain Dew? I'd have rather given up water. <laughs> I really would have. Yeah. I'd have rather given up water. Water, who needs water? <laughs> but I gave up Mountain Dew because I wanted the Holy Ghost so bad. About two months later, guess who prayed through the Holy Ghost on a Sunday night? First sure. night of revival. I didn't even sure. wait till the last night. First night of revival, God baptized me in the Holy Ghost. You may say that's small and insignificant. That's crazy. Try it. I know a preacher down the road that gave up Slim Jims because he was so addicted to them, loved them so much. Yeah. Got the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, it may seem small. Try it. But Give he could never ask too much of us. Lay it down. Give a sacrifice. And again, give a sacrifice. Praise him to God. You've heard preachers say it over and over and over. Praise him when you want to and praise him when you don't. But it's so true. Come, it, Sometimes it is when you work all day long and you're just exhausted. It's hard to come to church and be the Energizer Bunny. And sacrifice, it'll never return void. That, that's great. And I'll say this. And, and when in sacrifice, we're giving something. When we're giving to God, it's not like we're giving just for nothing. There, when God gives back, he give, it's a worthy investment. Yes. Because when God gives back, he gives it in good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. That's that's a small price to pay. Even paying your tithes in the book of Malachi, God only asked ten for ten percent, and for that, He'll give you blessings you don't even have room enough to contain. Yeah. When you pay you, your tithes, it's a worthy investment. Think about it this way: when you pay your tithing to the church, which we believe and preach, ten percent of your increase. But don't look at it as, well, I got 90% left. Or should I say this? When you give your tithing, you're not just living on 90%, but God will take that 10% and he'll give you 110%. Sure. Because I have been there when we was so broke 
said it's either groceries or tithing. That's all we got left. And without hesitation, I just said it because that was, you know, but without hesitation, we both knew we ain't buying no groceries. Right. We both got it instilled in us. We're going to pay our tithes. I know this ain't a tithing uh, episode, but the point is sometimes things are a sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's going to hurt. Sometimes it's going to cost something. But it'll never return void. Give God what is due him. Everything's due God. Obey the word of God. Obey what God has said. And you might say this. You say, preacher, I need revival in my church. Let me tell you the formula. Works every time. You get revival in your heart. Say, God, kill myself out. Kill Austin out. You get revival in your heart. Just one individual. One individual. You get revival in your heart, it'll break out in your home. Sure. Sacrifice. Do a little. It'll fasting. break out in your home because you know the fastest way to have revival is to have a funeral. All right. You can't have revival in your church and in your home and in your family until you have a funeral. Absolutely. And so you've got to pray and beg God, please kill me out. I do that all the time, and I'm still bad at it. I want revival. Kill yourself out. Yep. Let me have control. You want revival? Have a funeral. And so you look at that. You have revival in your heart. Ooh, it breaks out in your home. Gets on you, fire catches fast. Mm -hmm. Look at the California wildfires. I know it's a different illustration, but look how fast them fires spread. It'll get on you. It'll get on your spouse. It'll get on your kids. I promise you. It'll get on your kids. They don't move in your church, and all of a sudden, man, they're on fire. Man, look at them kids. Look at that wife. Look at that husband. Then it starts spreading in the community, and all of a sudden, you got revival. True blue revival where deadness in your walk is made alive again. Mm -hmm. All because one person had a funeral. That's right. Well, Brother Todd, we appreciate you coming on the podcast again. I'm sure we'll have you back. They love you. They clap for you really hard. Man, I appreciate the opportunity again. I really do enjoy it and appreciate what you and Brother Zach are doing. Thank you for having us. Well, we appreciate you coming on. Hopefully we'll have you on again. Thank you, everybody, for listening today to our discourse, discussion, episode, whatever you want to call it, about living sacrifice, being a sacrifice, being acceptable unto God. I want God to be pleased with me, don't you? Yes, sir. God bless you all. See you later. In this race of life I've run, the Lord says to me, my child, well done. There will be no regrets for me.